Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So we were sitting down the other night and watching um, Night at the Museum 3 with Madison and just seeing Robin Williams on there as his last movie. It was just like this really surreal, kind of depressing moment. I was like, man, this was the guy of my childhood, remembering all the movies he made. And I'm sure you, you've heard the, the age-old question, if you had three wishes, uh, what would you ask for? So I'm give you just a second to think about that. Don't toss out world peace. Don't say in world hunger, because those are given things that we know what happens. So if you had three wishes, you can tell me one of those things of what they might possibly be. Uh, so I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you one of mine. Uh, oh, Vin, you ready? Okay, go ahead. More genies. That makes that makes plenty of sense, doesn't it? So you have you have more genies for more wishes for more more things. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Others? Other things? A Lamborghini. What color? Red or black, okay. Red insurance goes up, by the way, just to let you know. Anybody? Other things? Free college. Aim into that. Or you just get somebody else to pay for it. Then it's free college. My father often reminds me that he's still paying my Campbell tuition, so um, I think I'll have that hanging over my head for about 15 more years. So. Teletransportation. Like Star Trek style? Yes. Okay. Yeah. More flair. <laughs> anything got anybody got anything interesting? Anybody else? Well, you know, for me, it would be more time with you. Uh, another me, so that I could spend more time with you. Uh, I think it would be another Duke National Championship, but I don't really have to wish for that because that just happens as is. You know, would any of you ask for patience? Huh, yeah. What's funny is patience is one of the most difficult things for us to attain, but why is it not the, the top thing on our list that we wish for? I prayed for patience and preparation for this morning, and so we're going to close in prayer and get out of here because that didn't, didn't happen. So take a look at James chapter 5, uh, verse 7. If you haven't told by our, our theme this morning, it's going to be a focus on patience. Uh, for the last two months, we have been weaving our way through the book of James. We've been going verse by verse, and we are on our second to last week in the book of James. And as we've been looking at this passage, We've noticed that that's very interesting because James isn't like all the other other New Testament letters. More than any other New Testament Testament letter, James is more parallel with the teachings of Jesus, although he only mentions the name of Jesus twice. And so James says very simply, he says, living, uh, listening to God's word is not the goal in life. He says, listening and living it out is the goal. He challenges us to not just be a people who talk about our faith, but a people who, who live out our faith each and every day. But he says that faith includes serving our neighbor, loving our neighbor as ourselves. What did he say? True religion that the Father views as faultless and pure is to look after widows and orphans in their distress. 
And so James has been challenging us week after week to, to look at life differently. To not just accept the wisdom of this world and live that out, but accept the wisdom of God and let that be what we live out each and every single day. And today's passage is going to be no different. Today's passage is difficult because we all know how difficult patience is. So James 5, 7, here we go. Be patient then, my brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord is coming near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. From the time my life began, I have been a person that's always been on the go. In fact, my birth is a perfect example of this. My father almost had to birth me in the hospital room because the doctor wasn't there yet, and I was ready to come out. And ever since then, I have just been on the go. I've got a lead foot. I'd rather drive offensively than defensively and scared. I'm the kind of person that's a go, go, go kind of person. I don't have time to sit down and read, so I'll go through three audiobooks in a month. Um, when I've got conflict with something, I deal with it, I'm done with it, I don't have time for grudges and time to hold on to things. I move on. That's just how I've always been, to move on, to get on with things. It's a fast-paced life for me. And so, I wonder how many of us deal with that in our lives. We live in a go-get-it kind of world. We live in a world that wants what it wants and wants it right now. And sometimes that causes us to pause for just a second. Think about this. We have internet speeds that are at warp speed, and we are apparently getting faster and faster as Google Fiber will be coming into our area. We are the people that, that waiting for a piece of mail for a couple days was way too long, so we developed email so that we could get it quicker. And when email wasn't fast enough, we developed instant message for our phones and for our social media. We are a people that will, will pay for expedient shipping. A few weeks ago, our worship team needed a few new pieces of items, and this was on a Friday. And because I'm an Amazon Prime member, I literally ordered it Friday at lunchtime. It was at my house the next day. That's how fast we expect things in our culture. So the hundreds of thousands of people who, who rushed to the store when the iPhone 6 came out, you remember this? It was you trade your phone in, and, and as a result, you get a credit towards your new phone. But all of a sudden, people who rushed to get that free phone realized when they ran out of space on their phone, they didn't have enough adequate space. So they were trading in 32 gigabyte and 64 gigabyte phones for a 16 gigabyte phone. You know how much memory you actually have in a 16 gigabyte phone? About 8 gigabytes of memory. Just to let you know, all those that rushed out for the iPhone 6, the iPhone 6S comes out this summer, so you should have waited a bit more patiently. We are a people who like things at the time we need them. We want what we want, and we want it now. And what's so ironic is we are a technologically advanced society that is anticipating that we get things faster, yet the stress of getting things faster ends up causing more stress and causing us not to be patient in our life. It's a, it's a bit ironic. And so James is writing to this passage to say to them, to this community, saying, be patient. Be patient in what you're facing. One of my favorite stories of, of patience in the Bible comes from a couple named Abraham and Sarah. You remember them from the scriptures. God came to this man named Abraham and he says, through you, I'm, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Your, your, your children are going to be outnumbering the, the stars in the sky, God says. And what's interesting is he says this to Abraham at the age of 75 and his wife age of 65. 
That's interesting. They've been barren this whole time, so what makes them think that they can have a child now? But they believe in God's promises. But years pass, and they still don't have a child. And, and one day, Abraham is just grumbling to God, and that's when God takes Abraham. He takes him out under the stars, and he looks, and he says, count the stars. You can't. That's how many descendants you are going to have from this offspring of this son I'm going to give you. But time passes. Abraham and Sarah are more impatient. So they begin to believe that maybe it wasn't through Sarah God was talking about through uh, Sarah's servant, Hagar. And so Sarah says, sleep with my man or my woman servant here. And they have a child, that child's name Ishmael. And God comes to her and, and God comes to Abraham. And what does he say? That's not the child I promised for you. A child is coming. 25 years from the time God promised Abraham and Sarah a son, God gives them a son named Isaac. 25 years. Some of us can't imagine waiting a day for something, a week for something. Imagine waiting 25 years. But what we learn from Abraham and Sarah, what we're learning from James, is that, that everything is not in our timing. In fact, sometimes we'll go to God in prayer and we'll ask God for something, but our prayer generally is, God, can I have this? And just to let you know, if you're not going to give this to me in the next week or so, I'm going to do it anyways and pretty much ignore anything that you want. So just can, can you give your stamp, stamp of approval here? And, but what we learn from this passage is that patience isn't about the amount of time it takes to swerve around God's way. Patience isn't about holding our our tongue as we are nervously twitching our leg to to get what we want. Patience isn't about getting things on our timing or maybe in the tiny, teeny bit that is delayed in our expectations. But patience is recognizing that things happen beyond our desired time. In fact, it's God's timing that teaches us about patience. 25 years is a long time. I can guarantee Abraham and Sarah would have said to God, God, you know, you don't have to make us wait that long, but it was about the timing. And the timing they learned, the patience, everything is about God's timing. We are finite beings who cannot understand the infinite nature of God. Peter tries to tell us this in Second Peter. He says, a day to God is like a thousand years. Can you imagine that? A thousand years is a day to God. Patience is God's gift to us. Patience is God's gift to us to give us more time. It's God's gift to us to be in his good graces. It's time for us to experience his grace as we make the mistakes and experience his immeasurable mercy. It's time by God's grace that we learn what it truly means to desire and work for something. It's God's time that we truly desire and we truly understand what God desires and find out in that time, does our desire match up with God's desires? Our life is not about our timing, it's about God's timing. And God's timing teaches us something about patience and faith. You see, we can talk about having faith in God, but when it depends on doing things in God's timing and learning in that timing, that's when true faith is really shown. Abraham and Sarah, we see that in that moment as they waited 25 years, even though they had some hiccups along the way, it still was in God's timing and it still was their faith that was being pushed and formed and shaped in that time. Life may appear to be in our timing, but it's God's timing that truly matters. So I wonder if there's been things in our life that we've never received or that never happened in our timing and maybe it was because of our lack of faith in God. Maybe because of our lack of obedience to God. You see, God's timing in the patience of that teaches us something about faith. 
over the Israelites? Forty years they wandered in the wilderness. Why? Because they weren't doing so in faith. That was a journey from Egypt to the promised land that literally takes only 13 days to walk. It took them 40 years. Do you think they learned patience? Do you think they learned faith in that time? When we are doing things on God's timing, then we are doing things by faith because it's trusting that God will direct us where, how, and when it's best for us. And so patience through faith demands that we not rush ahead, but that we wait for the Lord. We go to Him in prayer. We seek and listen for what God desires for us. Any of you ever cheat on the test? Of course not. I cheated on one test my entire life. I'm going to share the story with you. So um, I was in Latin my sophomore year of high school. And I did what typical Andy Hale did in class. I excelled in being the class clown and did not listen the entire semester. So the final exam came, and I panicked knowing that if I did not pass this, I was going to fail the class, which means that I wasn't going to get to play football the next season with that bad grade. And so I did what every teenager, of course, thinks of. I was going to cheat. And so I wrote the verb conjugations on a small piece of paper and taped it to the inside brim of my baseball hat. And the entire final exam, I am looking like a crazy person writing and looking at the answers. And I turn in the test and I walk out in the hall and I am completely overwhelmed with guilt. To the point that I walk back in, tear the piece of paper off my hat, put it down on the teacher's desk, and tell her exactly what I just did. And to my surprise, she gave me a B for telling the truth. (laughs) Earlier this semester, Stanford came out with a statement that they found that an overwhelming number of students had been cheating on a test. And this is coming after the previous semester that Stanford found 83 students had broken the honor code. This is Stanford. This is the Harvard of the West Coast. And the provost basically came out and said, with the, with the advancing of technology, students think it's easier and easier to, to break the rules and to cheat. I've never really understood cheating because while it might get you that temporary grade that you need, when you need that knowledge later on in life, it's not going to be there. I don't want to have a doctor that cheated on a test when they're opening up my body, right? So why do we think we can cheat? You see, when we cheat, we are cheating the process that is bettering us. That's what James is trying to teach us in this moment about patience. Is that when we're patient in the Lord, God is teaching us something. He's grooming us. He's bettering us. That is a process of bettering who you are as an individual. But we try to cheat the process by doing things in our timing, in our way. And when you cheat the process, you are not allowing God to better you. You're not growing in your faith. I'm not growing in our faith. I'm simply becoming more and more immature. And he uses the illustration of a farmer in Palestine. Think about Palestine. It's a desert, just humid-less climate. And so a farmer in Palestine would know exactly when the rain was going to come each year. And so that means that they had to do all the prep work before, during, and after that rain. And he's saying to them, look at the farmers. They don't know when it's going to come, but they wait patiently for it. They do the work that is necessary. You see, what we don't realize is that when we want what we want, when we want it, we become self-centered control freaks. And we're not allowing God to teach us, to mold us, to better us as who we are as individuals. Some things are worth the wait, so don't cheat. Tom Petty taught us that the waiting is the hardest part. And I think the same person came up with the same line, what is it, patience is a virtue? Patience isn't a virtue. Patience is a requirement when we follow Christ. 
We follow a Lord who invites us to come and to follow him, to become more like him, and we convince ourselves that there's some aspects of our life that one day I'll get there. How many times do we do that in life? I'll get there someday. That's not patience. We serve a Lord who calls us to be more like him in his character. And so patience isn't a virtue. It is an action required by those who follow Christ. It's something that we need to learn and grow in Christ. The last piece of patience that, uh, that James is going to teach us about will come here in, in chapter 10. But, but there's one particular piece that I, I think we need to focus on here in this last bit about patience before we move forward. And that's, that's learning about the end game of what God is doing in this moment. And I've learned this over the last couple of years. I shared with you last week that, that before Mosaic was even a figment of my imagination or Kevin's imagination or Carrie's imagination or Craig's imagination or Michelle's imagination or Jennifer's imagination, there was this pastoral search process that Jennifer and I told both of these churches no. And it was in those in-between times that we didn't know what God was going to do that God taught us and showed us that Mosaic, what was coming next. But when we started Mosaic, I was convinced that I could find a job outside of Mosaic that would help our family share up our financial situation and provide for Mosaic what it needed at the time. And so I sent out a hundred resumes to nonprofit organizations. I was thinking my 10 plus years of full-time ministry experience, I'll get a job as a director of volunteers, director of events, director of fundraising, and something. I didn't get a single interview but one. And so what happened in that moment is God opened up an opportunity for me to take my master's degree and my bachelor's degree and make minimum wage at a gym. Talk about learning patience in that moment. That month to month of are we going to make the ends meet? And even in the last four years of Mosaic, there's been two job opportunities that came available for me to take them to reduce my salary at Mosaic so that uh, we're less dependent on that here. And there were opportunities that the, the person that was hiring would have been crazy not to hire me. I was completely overqualified the job, and both of those jobs completely fell through. It was a process, a painful process. And then about this time last year, that's when the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship came to me and asked me to coordinate their church start efforts, an opportunity that both Mosaic could benefit from and other churches benefit from what we have experienced as a group of people. And this is not a story to say that, oh, Andy navigated through the waters of that difficulty. No, there was moments in that time, and Jennifer could probably preach a thousand sermons on this. I was thinking to myself, what is going on here? Is this really what God wants us to do? Wouldn't this not be a better opportunity for us to do this? But in those moments, in those day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month time, God was teaching me a very difficult lesson about patience. Have I got it yet? Nope. The last piece that James wants to teach us about patience is he starts to teach us about this thing that we know in the church as eschatology, the eschaton. He starts to use the word here. It's the word parousia. It means the coming of Christ. And so there's this patience that the church has been waiting on since the time that Christ arose. And it is the second arrival of Christ. When God will bring all things to himself. uh, About a third of the New Testament covers this portion about when Christ is going to come back. When God is going to bring, literally bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so James wants to teach this last bit of patience as they face this time 
time in chapter and verse 10 when he says this. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count it blessed are those who have persevered. You have heard Job's perseverance and have seen the Lord's finally brought him out of this. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. As we wait for the Lord, as we live out the way of Jesus, we're going to face hardship. In fact, Paul writes this in his letter. He says, anyone who wants to live a godly life must be persecuted. Or Eugene Peterson translated it this way, anyone who's legit about Jesus is going to face a hard life. And so what James is writing here is about the hardship of living in the way of Jesus as we wait for Christ and as others see that and hold that against us. Have you ever experienced that in life? Living out the way of Jesus in your life in such a way that other people don't like it. They butt up against it. They don't understand it. Have you ever faced hardship for standing and loving those despite their sexuality, despite their political persuasion, besides their economic status? Have you ever faced hardship because of that? Have you ever faced hardship for choosing to live in such a way that, that is so countercultural that people don't understand it, that they'd rather make fun of you and disregard you than actually accept you as an individual? That's what James is talking about here. We talked about earlier in James that, that the poor were facing hardship from the rich. They're having their wages withheld. They were not being paid for, for the work they were doing. James is saying, you're facing hardship in this time. What do you write in chapter 1? Consider it pure joy when you face hardships or trials of many kind. He's saying you need to have some patience in this moment. And it's this type of patience that teaches us that we don't need to depend on ourselves, but we need to depend on God. And he uses the example of Jeremiah and Job. If you remember the story of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is this prophet that is called by God, and he completely resists it. But instead, he does what God wants him to do. And so Jeremiah goes out. He's mocked by the people. He is persecuted for what he's done. He is multiple times arrested and put on death sentence because of his work. Words against Israel for the things that we're doing. He is persecuted for the fact that he's saying God is bringing judgment against you. And of all these things, these terrible things happen to Jeremiah. And then you have Job. We know the story of Job. Job is, is a really rich man. What, is, what does the Bible say? Job is, is faultless and pure in the eyes of God. We know that Job had this enormous farming estate. He had all these cattle, all these donkeys, all these oxen. He had this beautiful family. He had seven boys and three girls. But in a chapter in the book of Job, what happens? He loses it all. And his wife tells him what? Curse God and die. But Job is patient in this moment. He endures the suffering he is facing. Jeremiah, despite the suffering he experiences, he still proclaims the word of God. That's what James is trying to teach us here. That despite the hardship we face in life, despite the suffering we might experience, that is an excuse of why we can't live out the way of Jesus. How many of us have given up on self-control, on kindness, on goodness, on gentleness, on mercy and love when we face difficult crisis and conflict in our life? James is saying, be patient in that. And the only way for us to grow patient in that is to depend more and more on God. The only way to grow in patience is to hand over our life and our faith and everything about us to a God who desires to bring us through hardship, to show us patience, to show us a higher way of living. And what that requires for us is that we fix our eyes on that God. 
The God that's full of compassion. The God that's full of mercy. James says he's coming, but be patient and wait. So may we be a people who learn patience. May we be a people who don't strive for patience as as something that just some of us do, but it may be something that we all desire for our lives. May it be something that we learn from the one who desires to transform us from the inside out. And as we are being patient in this world, may others learn from us and see the love of God within us. Let's pray together. God, we are patient as it is hot as blue blazes in here. It is so difficult, God, to have patience. When people tell lies and half-truths, when people manipulate others to make us look horrible, it's hard to be patient when we are facing difficulty of, of medical trials and stress trials in our life. It's difficult to be patient when we are waiting for that next stage, that next chapter, that next thing that has to come. But God, we're not like everybody else. Not everyone else has been transformed by your love. And so we are a people who know you, who trust in you. So God, increase our faith this morning. Help us to look at the Jeremiah's and the Job's of this world to admire them and to strive to learn from them. God, help us to learn that things are not in our timing but in yours. And the only way to grasp that is to continue to submit piece by piece, whole by whole of who we are. So not three wishes but a prayer this morning, God. We earnestly ask for patience. We ask all these things in the name of the one who patiently waited through 30 years of the suffering of this world and the endurance of the cross. But the one who resurrected to give us new life. In his name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.